Okay. Right nostril, which is the issue. Did not really feel it, but whatever. Flonase time. <laughs> Flonase kind of smells like flowers. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they did that on purpose. Like, this is what you're missing out on. I think that it's, uh, it's got to be something in the ingredients, you know? That it's like uh, giving you those, giving you like those histamines or something like that. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. Oh, boy. That one really hit the tongue. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I appreciate it, though. I mean, yeah, Nick, they figured you, Nick out used the, that. Yeah. I've, I've used it a couple times when the allergies have been really bad. <clears throat> I typically only take Zyrtec, which is uh, obviously an oral. Although I think they do have a spray now. Yeah, they do. There's a lot of sprays now. Um, Vix has a whole new line of anti-allergen sprays. But I just remember when I was in high school and college, um, what was the one that everyone was getting addicted to? Um, there was some sinus nose spray and everyone was using it. And then it came out that it, like people were actually getting addicted to it because it kind of had like some... You know, upper Stimulant. type of pseudoephedrine <laughs> type of acts was it, to it, and it's it was not Afrin, is it? Yeah, yeah, and it was burning it was? holes inside of your septum because people oh, were no. using it so much that they were basically just you're getting the same injuries you had if you were like a coke addict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, um, or I, I think because we got Afrin. Uh, typically, whenever I go to get an over the counter. If I'm going to have to ask somebody to unlock something, I'm not getting that one. Um, so an Afrin was like never locked up. Mm-hmm. But it does. it is one of those ones that I think says like you're only supposed to use it for a max of like a week or two. Yeah. Habit forming. <laughs> right. Although maybe that one was locked up. I don't know. Um, thank goodness the Flonase was locked up. Uh, which gave me extra time to try and find the CVS brand because that stuff is expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The name brand? I'm a generics guy myself. Well, you know, you you you're you're against patent law. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh. Going back to polio, you've always been like, this should just be available for everyone. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's a hallmark of my personality. What's never ending to find the So we've had a big two weeks. How have you been? Um, spring break was great. Uh, it was really, it was really fun. Uh, I didn't really do anything. Nikki was gone, and then she came back. So we spent uh, Thursday and Friday together. She went to Vegas with Megan, so they had a little girls' trip. So that was cool. 
Um, but then I got sick on Sunday and it's weird cause this is the first time I've been sick since, I don't know, three years cause COVID cause I've just been at home yeah. <laughs> wearing masks. Like the only time I felt sick at all was when I got the vaccine and then the second dose and then the booster, you know, you had that little 24 hour crappy feeling. I, I totally forgot that that's cause I have been sick too, but it's been only around those times except for one other time when when we had covid probably <laughs> yeah yeah i i when i had when i finally got it back in january the omicron variant finally got got me it i only felt bad for like a day um and it was basically just like the side effects from the booster shot i didn't really notice much you know fever no real anything like that but this yeah. i took covid tests never came back positive but damn it must be like the flu or just some really bad cold or the fact that there's tons of extra allergens in the air and we're getting a whole mess of crap all here in Texas right now just that time of the year but man I was knocked on my ass for like the last four days I just haven't felt like that in so, like that bad in so long and then to find out that it wasn't COVID related it's like oh wow yeah what the hell um but yeah forgot forgot what uh those rolling body aches and fever dreams and uh just not being able to not being able to sleep not being able to eat then wondering is my stomach hurting because of all of these uh medicines that i've been taking to take care of like the sinus pressure and stuff or is it because i yeah. haven't eaten in three days i don't know i don't know <laughs> <laughs> right, just keep so popping if, um, these pills yeah so if i'm if i'm a little foggy today i i do have some brain fog i've I tried really hard, Eric, to make sure I, I did all my research on this, but <laughs> no, <laughs> I might, I might no save some very wrong things today, so just be ready to correct me. <laughs> sure. Well, I, two weekends ago, um, finally happened. Finally got hit by a stingray. Mm. Um, which, <laughs> considering heart. I've only seriously surfed for, um, like, a year and a half. <laughs> I don't know if that's a great rate, but <clears throat> luckily it was just a baby stingray. That was the weird thing. I was walking out and I know stingrays are at the beach we go to and I know that they are um, in shallow water, like the calmer water, mm -hmm. but I can't, that's the, that's the, all right, there's two things. One, paddling out the entire way is extremely tiring. Yeah. Um that is the tiring part of surfing. Once you get past the initial like just trying to balance on it and like sit out there, um which does take a little getting used to, especially on like a longboard or something. Um because you think it's supposed to be stable and it's not. Um, <laughs> you need a longer keel. <laughs> just you need <laughs> yeah, like a exactly. 7 foot keel on the bottom of the longboard <laughs> and you won't have any problems. <laughs> there are some traditional surfboards though that um I mean I don't think they would call them surfboards. But there, there are some Polynesian ones that do have a keel. It's, oh, yeah? It's insane. They're, like, really narrow, though, um, but they're, like, 10 feet long. Like, I've got no clue how they get them out there or anything. It's how they, you know, paddled all the way from Polynesia to Hawaii, you know? Yeah, which, again, I don't understand how they figured that route was safe, but, you know, good, good, <laughs> good on them. Um, so... 
it's tiring to paddle out, but also the water was like only halfway up my shin. So with the fins of the board, me laying on it, like that's, I'm not even going to be able to like, I'm going to be moving my hands along the mm-hmm. ocean to like get out. Um, so I'm like walking out and typically I kind of shuffle, but then, you know, it's a little bit of a both. You shuffle a little bit and then you kind of step because you're tired of shuffling. And all of a sudden I just felt a pinch on my, um, like right under my ankle bone and like kind of jumped to the side and I went out a little bit further and uh, put my foot up on the board and we wear like surf boots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the idea is hopefully f- for me, hopefully it provides a little bit of protection against like stingrays or rocks or whatever. Yeah. If you Mostly for like rocks. sharp reef or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but it's also nice that you don't have to wear shoes through the parking lot and then take them off and walk barefoot on the sand. Then you got sand Hot in your sand. shoes and all that Hot. kind of stuff. Exactly. Hot sand. <laughs> so it's a, I rec- highly recommend it to everybody. Um, but I didn't see anything on my foot. Like there was no blood really. Um, so I was like, okay, well, maybe a crab pinched me. I didn't feel like I stepped on anything. Maybe it was a sea lice. <laughs> maybe it was sea lice. <laughs> <laughs> and so um i served for like 30 40 minutes and then uh miho was like finishing up so i went up there and then i was like okay well i'll take the longboard out because i've got a fish and so i was like oh, i'll just mess around on this because the waves were getting weaker and i was like showing her my ankle and then i like looked in my boot and i had a stingray barb mm. jammed in my boot that had just barely penetrated and like touched my skin. Um, so that was pretty freaky. Like had to pull it out because of the barbs like through yeah, the inside yeah. of it. Can't do the Steve Irwin where you just rip it out the way it came. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, we like look up how to treat stingrays and you are supposed to like remove because the barb can be inches mm-hmm. long. Um, so you are supposed to remove it while in the water and the water and like put pressure to try and push the venom out because the venom will sting really bad. Um, and then you're supposed to go to a lifeguard stand if you don't have hot water because they'll give you a bag and hot water and you put your whatever got stung in there and hot water degrades the protein that's like causing the stinging. Um, and you push it out and it kind of looks like a jelly, I think, mm-hmm. in the water. I don't know. Luckily, it didn't like penetrate my skin, so I didn't have like no venom got in your bloodstream. I don't think so. Yeah, um, which the scary thing to me, I'm like, you know, I'm allergic to bees. I think I, I've been stung <laughs> twice. I stepped on a bee once, uh, and that hurt really bad. And then at football practice, I got stung in the ankle, and my ankle swelled up like I broke it. Oh yeah. Like, I rolled my ankle the other day, and this one hasn't even swelled up at all. (laughs) Like, this time, like, I couldn't even walk on it. It swelled up so much. And my uncle is super allergic, like, has to do the treatments where they still think the next sting he's going to just die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, Does he have to carry um, around, like, an EpiPen or something? (laughs) Just in case a bee shows up? I gotta get a prescription for that, (laughs) so that's... (laughs) That's more work for me, so I'm just rolling the dice right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um i should have i used to have one and then it went it expired and then i was like okay well i guess and that's then they the started costing safety. like five thousand dollars for some reason <laughs> yeah. thanks shkreli um so I, I my fear is like i'm allergic to stingrays i'm like the three percent of people or whatever and i'm just gonna die so um, but erwin steve didn't die because of the venom he died because no. part of the barb when he ripped it out the tip of the barb broke off and it was got into his heart right <clears throat> which that's the other thing after you pull it out you're supposed to go to a hospital so they can make sure that they remove all the pieces and everything because being a sea creature it of course has bacteria and everything on it oh so. yeah it's covered in crude oil and Yep. <laughs> microplastics. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that article that microplastics were found in the bloodstream? Yes. Recently? Fantastic. But, you know, it's going to be there. It's going to be there eventually. I mean, that's kind of what they, that was like the whole idea behind when Bill Gates came up with the COVID vaccines, get microplastics in our skin, <laughs> right? In our blood. <laughs> that that, was, that just, was the whole vaccine, right? Is this going to be the thing that's the... Uh, the humanity ending apocalypse like eventually eventually it could be if it was out of control Um, or or it'll be maybe this is finally a a thing that will cause a divergent thing of evolution in humanity where like some humans will have like some super liver capabilities that can like actually process and break down microplastics in their system and those people will survive and the rest of us that can't (laughs) we all die yeah see this is this is the exact moment where whenever on those science videos and they're like you know for humanity to continue and it's like that's not me i'm not humanity (laughs) 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 it doesn't really matter if somebody evolves something to uh so their liver can process it if I'm choking on plastics right, right. <laughs> because I have a stroke. Like, not going to be a real fun time. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, the uh, yeah, I saw I saw that. What was the other thing I was thinking about? That the little off offhand thing that was related to that shit. Oh well, my brain's not working. Not it's not working uh, right now. Keep COVID going. COVID cases <laughs> going up in Europe. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're I feel a lot like we've of, had this conversation BA2. before. <laughs> Uh, BA2 research uh, through all of the uh, septic systems and people doing all those looking at at the sewer plots to see is it is it in community spread because you know we don't test no (laughs) so we got to look at poop to see if anyone's getting it yet well isn't uh I think back in February like the CDC said that hospitals no longer needed to report cases like it was optional to report cases. I don't know if deaths were included in that, but cases are the like leading indicator, at least for deaths and hospital like stays. Yeah. So if you're getting rid of that one, then you're just going to start knowing once more people start dying, (laughs) then people are going to start testing again. So uh, yeah, Uh, not, yeah. I don't want to get off in the weeds of the whole, uh, the whole narrative of, uh, hey, can't we all just agree that it's impossible to contain COVID, so let's just live with it? (laughs) And then then there's like, oh, but Australia, they kind of manage community spread and have wide-scale testing constantly going on, and like no one is getting it out in the community like here. They somehow figured some stuff out, I guess. I guess it is possible to maybe do some mitigating circumstances and actually get your arms around the uh, 
the different metrics that are going on here to figure out what's going on. Or it's easier to just not do any of that and be like, there's just no way to know. It's right. it's impossible to know. It's impossible to stop. That's the thing, though. <laughs> I So I was listening to Street Fight the other day, and they had a guy call in from New Zealand. Uh, he's a guy that calls in every now and then. And he was saying that because of Omicron, they were starting to actually deal with like people getting sick at a huge rate. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the thing. <laughs> it's like we could have been fighting it for two years and and kept, you know, we almost have a million people dead in this country. Yeah. Um, so we could have kept it from being a million people dead and then finally had like a surge that was too strong, but at least we have factors that like people are going to fight against uh, the virus. But yeah, so now it's it's instead just been kind of like, well, I guess people are dying. Um, <laughs> we'll let your county decide what they want to do. Yeah, I think um, the o- the only like sort of sobering news is the seemingly the BA two. Um, effective rate in in children is more severe than previous especially because kids that have not been infected yet or they're under age six or under age five and they can't get a vaccine it's not just uh just goes through them and they don't even know it like there's actually more incidence of actual symptomatic case and more incidence of children having to go to the ICU and stuff with BA2 already so that's the real worrying one and I I guess the silver lining from uh, America's standpoint is since we lag you know a month six weeks behind the rest of the rest of the world when it comes to this stuff then maybe maybe we'll just look out and like school will be almost over by the time it gets here so we don't have the massive spread amongst a bunch of children who are no longer wearing masks or anything in class i don't know yeah it's gonna suck either way yep but you know as long as we just keep on rolling i suppose i don't know anyways but really i mean what kind of monsters are we to talk about uh, a pandemic that's so old news when um you know uh, people are dying in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. That's sad. So um, don't bring up the pandemic, guys. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it was surprising. Uh, I saw somebody mention, it's probably a, I think it was a conservative mentioning it, but <laughs> it is a funny point that like whenever um, they had like, was it Trump or Biden or I think it was maybe Biden or Hunter or something. I can't remember. I can't keep all of them straight. Um, they're all the same, really. Uh, one of them was like talking with somebody in Ukraine and they like, you know, essentially people in Congress were calling uh, Zelensky a liar for, um, you know, dealing with, uh, I think it was Hunter, like in a certain way or whatever. And and then they gave him a standing ovation and gave him a nice neo-nazi chant um which is vague enough that sure it's not only neo-nazi listen it's not only people who are racist that use the stars and bars of the confederacy okay (laughs) it's just widely adopted by them as well yeah i mean whatever nazis just you kind of got to roll with it you know some are really nice 
Yeah, I, I have enjoyed the stories of the U.S. Uh, veterans going over there. Have I already spoken about this? I can't remember. Not on the, I don't think on the podcast. Where they they sign up to go over there and, mm-hmm. and then they're like, this is insane. I'm going home. This is what fighting a, an actual army is like. And it's like, yeah, when you're shooting just poor children, it, it is <laughs> totally different than fighting an <laughs> army. And maybe... Maybe you should take some time to reflect on, was I actually defending any freedom when I was uh, killing 13-year-olds? Um, but, you know, that's a, that's a big weighty task, and, you know, that requires some, some self-reflection. Right. Yeah, the, um, you know, I, it's, it is a good time to go back and watch Generation Kill if you haven't watched it, to, to, to remind you of a sort of, that that's sort of been the most frustrating thing, and then we can get really deep into our fun topic. But you know, friend, having conversations with friends, and I've got friends who are from Russia, who have family that still live in Russia and stuff, and they're you know broken up about. Oh man, I can't even talk to my my family anymore because they're all totally in the bag for Putin and uh, and all the propaganda. And I'm like, yeah, that sucks. But also, you guys all thought there were weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's it's I I still can't get in the in the whole um, let's all band together against every Russian citizen type of uh, type of motif that is going around. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Like. they're they're just as susceptible to all the propaganda of their government as we have been, and if anything, they're even more now so because they're completely isolated in a bubble of that propaganda and have no differing opinion of what's going on in the rest of the world coming to them. And yeah. if the propaganda is giving you a position of righteousness and a position of moral high ground, then of course you're going to buy that. You're not going to be the one who's like, questioning that you act, have some sort of, mor- sort of moral authority in the situation if you that's the easiest way to to like sell it to yourself is like oh yeah i have the moral high ground here and we've done it to ourselves for like 70 years in america yeah. so it's let's uh let's cut the i would say let's cut the russian uh, citizens some slack well that's the that's the thing that's been it's not easy to say that you're i don't know this one especially with so much pressure um of people online in the media and everything like trying to be like you have to support ukraine full stop the thing is being invaded is like obviously a terrible place to be in Mm-hmm. And uh, personally, I support, you know, fighting off an invasion. It's difficult. I saw, I think Danny Bessner said this on Twitter. Um, it's hard to be, what did he say? I think he said it's hard to be an internationalist in a world of nation states. And that's what the difficulty is. It's like, yeah, okay, they have a right to like defend themselves. Um, but at the same time, I don't think that borders should exist (laughs) right right so it's it comes to this complicated point where okay yes i think they 
as a nation, I will say, because I, I don't believe you should have a standing military, I think the way that things currently are, everyone should have the right to have a defensive force, which implies that I think defending yourself and your home and everything is warranted, which I certainly believe, um, especially in the case of like a full-scale military invasion. Uh, that doesn't mean that you have to fully support the bad parts of Ukraine. There are a lot of, there is a lot of corruption in the government. Um, there is a lot of, uh, there are bad actors in the military. They have like a standalone regiment of neo-Nazis there. There were videos from like nine months ago of, um, some random person like beating up Romanian women in the street. And he is one of the members of Azov. Uh, so that's what is currently happening in Ukraine. You have to draw the distinction. It's, it's like the voting thing. Like when Biden was going around and stuff, you don't just have to be like, well, I got to go blue. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what I have to No, You can, you're an adult. You can parse out the different aspects of it that are good or bad. Um, but at the same time, you cannot fully buy in and say, well, they have a right to defend themselves. Therefore, I should cheer whenever Russian soldiers are killed. They're the invading force. It's like, well, okay, they are totally susceptible to um, the lies that are going on from their government. They're being pushed into it by their government. That's the deal with the military. You don't get to choose which battles you fight in well and if you believe some of the reporting they're like either having to go fight or they're being shot by their commanding officers for not going into fight so you're also either either you're buying into the propaganda or you're being coerced with deadly force to do it so i don't I know mean, like what was what was the the guy in america that was like from the nfl that joined the military and then started having some um some anti-military thoughts and oops he died in a training exercise oh that was pat tillman but he was killed yeah. by friendly fire in oops. afghanistan oops it happens you know yeah um so the the issue needs to be uh you need to have an anti-war stance and that can mean not um uh penalizing just russian people you need to understand that it's like the governments that are the issues here. And, mm. and this is not to like take some sort of anarcho statement or whatever. Like uh, <clears throat> I believe that there should be some, some governmental forms. Uh, so I'm not just saying get rid of all of them. Um, obviously that wouldn't work, but you have to understand that the Russian government, even people within the Russian government probably don't like what's going on. Right. But they're there and causing these issues. So hold them to account for that. But don't celebrate every time a Russian helicopter gets shot down because that's just losing the the face of the person that's on the other side. Yeah, they're an invading force, but they don't have a choice in it. You know, like. Does this make sense? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's like you. Well, you, it's very the, my my the thing that's the. Um, corollary in my mind is just the post 9-11 hysteria that we had oh, here yeah. and how like it 
gave rise to this huge, you know, militarization of police and everything else inside of America. And it was because it was a time at which it was verboten to speak ill of any sort of institution in the country because we were under attack. So we all have to join together now and every cop is good, has always been good. Every, every service member is good, has always been good. Every president is good. They've always been good. All of our, anything that we do in response to this is going to be justified. Meaning every single city in the country has these massively outsized military budgets for their police forces now and stuff. We signed away half of our bill of rights to the patriot act like there's been research that's shown that like covid relief money went like half of it i think in los angeles went to the cops yeah (laughs) it's covid relief money for the city for businesses and they gave it to the cops but but it's that that was like the start of at least in my life and as a 19 year old kid at the time like i was definitely swept up in the in the get some patriotic, we got to do something now. This is the first time I've actually seen an attack on the soil of my own country. Mm -hmm. I might get drafted. Like all the thoughts that are going through your head as like a 19 year old kid. And you know, you're still all juiced up on testosterone and your hormones as you're just barely going through puberty and all that stuff still. So like I, if I'm thinking of, of myself and now if I just put that version of myself in Russia, I could totally see myself being like, yeah, I got to sign. I got to go. I got to fucking do do my part type of thing in Ukraine. Like, I, I, I don't know. That, that's just the <clears throat> that's the thing that's that I want f- to feel in my chest now is that restraint to just go over to the to that comfort of uh, this position of moral superiority so I can hold other the other side in judgment and then always feel good about everything that I'm doing. You get what, yeah. I, I, you get what I'm saying? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I didn't have it when I was 19, and now I have it, and that's the way I would rather view the world than the way that I was when I was a 19-year-old. But I guarantee you there's a bunch of guys over there that are who I was when I was 19. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been going on, like, you know, and we've, We've heard from Justin and we've separately spoken with Justin, um, who understands like that region um, a lot better from just his studies and everything, um, or at least is able, I, I think he did a great job. He's able to like put it into context, which is the mm-hmm. most important part. This has been going on for really decades, but you can, the most recent stuff, you could go back to 2014 very simply, and those like separatist regions. Um, like me saying, yes, there's like Nazis in the military and Ukraine and there's a corrupt government. Those regions I would not support. They're, they're like run by, um, first off, Russia flooded them with, um, pro-Russian people, um, like military paramilitaries to have authoritative control over the region. They banned a bunch of political parties, um, and that's terrible. Okay, well, then what did the Ukrainian government do? 
Uh, they dropped cluster bombs on those regions. <laughs> okay, that's not great. Um, they killed like 15,000 civilians in those regions. That's not good. So then you can obviously see the justification from the Russian side, especially if you were like, how many years ago is that? Eight? So say you're 10 years old. I was 10 when 9-11 happened. Say you're 10 years old and you see um, on the news, they're saying these people want to be part of Russia. Okay, well, we'll go support them. Um, but I'm 10. Well, it's been eight years and now my government is invading the country. Okay, well, yeah, I'll go sign up. For the last, for my entire life, these people have wanted to be part of Russia from the Russian media perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been bombed by the Ukrainian government. Uh, I obviously, obviously see the documented Nazis in the Ukrainian military. Okay, that's definitely going to make me think something bad is happening so these regions are not great they're not they're not something to support outright obviously um but then Zelensky this past week bans like 11 political parties um like all of them left-leaning political parties <laughs> so okay are we going to support you know I'm not saying he's Trump but if Trump was uh, if we were being invaded by a country or had some attacks on the country and then Trump decided to ban things like DSA that um, doesn't have any political power. But even in Ukraine, I think one of the political parties had like 40 par parliamentary seats or something uh, that was banned. <laughs> so you're just saying, OK, no more Democrats because we're at war like yeah, it's it's sort of you know, the uh, it's sort of the we got to get Neville Chamberlain out of here so Churchill can run this shit <laughs> type of uh, type of World War II analogy of oh man this this pacifist bullshit where we were gonna we thought we could talk to Hitler and and uh, and prevent the world war from breaking out yeah that that that's all stupid we got to get got to get Churchill in here we got to get serious about this we got to you know bring the fight to them. We don't want to hear anymore about this uh, de-armament and uh, let's all, isn't it, that's that's the other thing is um, just the the world, I don't know, it's so different. The world after World War One historically was like, holy fuck, that was the apocalypse. We don't ever want to do that again. Like England, France, they, they actually were reducing the amount of armament and stuff they had after the war that was like the policy because we never want to have a war like this again then world war ii happens and instead of the reaction being like oh man we never want to have that again it's just like man we are so ready for this fucking thing to happen we've been preparing for it for the last 70 years you just who's gonna set it off we're, we're ready we've been fucking sitting here waiting we got all yeah. the bases in Europe. We got it all ready to go. Anyone want to do a land war in Europe? Let's fucking do it. We're all ready. And it's like, I don't know. That's that's really strange to me is the, uh, man, we all, the, the glory seeking aspect of it. Like we, the, the wish for this inevitability of our, our moment to finally like save the world or something when you're like, hey, the, the the world does need saving and you could actually do policy things to save the world that have nothing to do with like war or conflict between nations like you know it's on fire guys <laughs> yeah 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 i uh, yeah 
there's there's plenty going on that um could actually be solved but that would require them to solve those things you know and um, it's just it's like what we're going to talk about induction but it's all a policy choice like everything that when when in the end it's all going it's all going to be a policy choice and yeah. it seemed but all the policy choices are much easier made when uh you've already spent billions and or trillions of dollars on your military so that's just the easier button to push yeah exactly um and you have people in your ear telling you that's the thing that you have to do to solve it mm-hmm. so induction this was a a listener supported uh what theme yeah uh, we talked about this generally when we talked about electromagnetism and michael faraday back a few months ago um but the and then um when we were talking about the methane craters and the sort of added metrics of methane when you're calculating the carbon emissions into the atmosphere and you know you had your whole existential breakdown on trying to figure out <laughs> how, how those particulates were affecting the the global warming um the one of the offshoots of that was uh we were mentioning how like natural gas is just like just direct methane pipes just piping right into your right in your house <laughs> and um that uh like the solution for that type of thing would be like induction stoves um, get rid of, you know, the natural gas appliances. And, but we just kind of mentioned it in passing. And I know, um, TC has talked about induction. He's got an induction, um, stovetop now at his new place. It's pretty and cool. Did you say he was a recent convert? Yeah. Recent convert. I, I think, uh, Matt Brunig converted him o- over to it. Um, but yeah, so this one's cool because induction is a very basic, principle when it comes with the electromagnetism but it is so universally applied a punch of different areas of mechanics and engineering and just power generation that it's used everywhere and the fact that um it still competes with like uh combustion engines and uh, other things is kind of it's kind of crazy that uh that we just are like, oh yeah. Well, I mean, we've got these incredible motors, <laughs> these incredible electric motors that uh, have no like gears and moving parts, and they don't wear down, and they don't uh, have a bunch of friction and things that causes them to get gummed up. But uh, we kind of wouldn't it be cooler if we could just keep using like fuel powered stuff, like <laughs> locomotives were. That, those are cool. We invented pistons, yeah. remember? Let's just keep doing pistons. Yeah, I saw um I saw somebody tweeting out this was during the freeze last year, I think, uh, whenever they were like showing that the wind turbines were like freezing up. It maybe it was in Texas, maybe it was in somewhere else, but they were like needing to use helicopters to like spray them down with something that was like made out of petroleum to like you know de-ice them or whatever and they're like see you want to get rid of uh fossil fuels well what would you do in this situation fossil fuels are saving your renewables and it's like listen if we only use them for emergency situations (laughs) yeah that's fine (laughs) but yeah instead it is 
every conceivable space that you can use some sort of um, natural gas or oil-based product that's being used right now. And we're finding more. Right. That's the other crazy thing is like, and this kind of jumps way ahead, but so the hard drive in your computer, like if it's a, if it's a spinning disc hard drive, that's an induction motor. Okay. It's working off of the principles of induction with magnetism. And that's how it's writing the information onto that with ones and zeros. So imagine if we had gas powered computers, (laughs) Like how inefficient <laughs> you'd be getting like uh, for all the gas you'd be burning to write ones and zeros onto your hard drive. It'd be you'd be getting like a, it'd only be less than a quarter of efficiency of the amount that you'd burn would actually turn into usable energy that would write it onto your hard drive. Whereas the induction motor that is actually doing that in your computer is about ninety nine point eight percent efficient. <laughs> yeah, the. I mean, when it comes to cars, too, it's pretty interesting because with like an electric motor, there's no shifting. There's no different gears. No, single gear, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's, I mean, you have like, I I wouldn't say fewer mechanical parts. I don't know how an electric vehicle is created myself. Um, I will say it's way fewer mechanical parts. I can tell you right now. Uh, So, yeah, it's, it's like... I don't know. It's it's one of those things that it kind of reminds me of the scene I think in Mad Men um where they're showing like their they their new client or whatever is like spray deodorant and so they like come up with an ad campaign that it's like showing you this is the future and it's like astronauts using it <laughs> or something like that and and um <clears throat> Don Draper's like no, people don't like that's scary to people to like try something new like that. So they instead went with like a cowboy using it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That doesn't even make sense. Old rugged like, man. He's not afraid. For for whatever reason, I mean, obviously because there's money behind it. The the open flame cooking has been like I don't know. I felt like it had a resurgent like I grew up with electrical appliances Mm -hmm. um i didn't have a gas stove until we lived in japan and that is mostly because electricity is way more expensive in japan yeah um obviously it's more expensive here i think compared to like natural gas but it is like um magnitudes more expensive for the amount of energy you get and so that was my first experience with it. But whenever we moved uh, back to California, we've only had gas stoves mm-hmm. in all of our apartments. Um, and it's part of like the code, like brand new apartment building, all going to be new gas, new gas water heaters, new gas stoves. And all of that stuff is going to have a shelf life of like 15 to 20 years. So every single one that gets built has a baked in like, length of time where it's going to be spewing out methane <laughs> in the next you you've baked in like this time clock that no one's going to just be like oh i got a brand new gas stove in my in my apartment Ooh, but man i really would rather have induction let me switch that out yeah i mean i i don't even know how we would switch it out 
Right. <clears throat> like for, for people who live in apartments, you'd have to just be like, okay, well, I'm willing to go buy one of those single like hot plate induction surface things like people yeah, yeah. have in China and stuff like that. And I'll just cook on that and I won't ever use my gas range. Yeah. And then like switch it off at the wall or yeah. something. Um, but it's for whatever reason, like people again i keep saying like i don't understand why people like obviously because there's there's money that's putting well, there's, into there's, doing the, an advertising like it. the uh there's geological reasons one like we have the most coal america has the most coal reserves mm-hmm. of anywhere in the world but also that means that it also has the most natural gas reserves anywhere in the world um and so America uses more natural gas than any other country in the world. We produce more of it. Um, we harvest more of it. And a lot of that goes all the way back to, goes back to fracking. Like once fracking like came on the scene, the big push was to make it seem as though this clean blue flame was the solution to all the climate problems of that we used to have for burning coal for power plants and burning crude oil for other things for heating and all of that type of stuff um even though it's not cleaner and if anything it's actually could be more harmful for the reasons that we talked about in the methane episode um yeah i mean the 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 amount of fumes that are spewing out of your gas range uh, while you're using it creates enough um, like particulate matter and uh, carbon monoxide and uh, I think nitrous oxide that it is considered an unsafe level to have outdoors. Yeah, yeah, you're you're <laughs> illegal to breathe in your house when you're using your gas stove or oven. It's illegal like to breathe illegal. inside your house. Yeah. Um, and but that's the thing that like since uh, it was created, they've been saying like, oh, this is way safer, way cleaner um, because the the flame just burns everything up. And mm-hmm. no, it doesn't burn everything up. Well, you remember the little blue flame cartoon that was like in the commercials that was like cool. He had like the like the sunglasses and he was like it was it was sort of like a. Uh, the whole thing to even indoctrinate kids in like the nineties and stuff to be like, Oh yeah. Natural gas, like the cleanest thing in the world. (laughs) Like that, like it was commercials on TV, like an active ad campaign to try to convince everyone that natural gas was this amazing American product that was going to clean everyone's life and clean the smog. And we weren't going to have pollution problems and everything. Is this yeah, huge propaganda thing? The <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the rap that they created in the eighties uh, with a bunch of kids. But yeah, it was. Um, I don't know, and I, I think like for some reason people kind of associated with like like traditional cooking. Obviously, there were flames used, like there was fire used to cook and everything. Um, but then you have you know. Uh, people like Joe Rogan, who's like burning a cheap skirt steak over open flame <laughs> because he he likes what, what was it? He was I think he's eat like it it's, raw anyway. So <laughs> I think he said like it unlocks ancestral genetic ancestral memories or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It's like no, you, it's the the homeopathic steak. 
<laughs> the steak has memory, and then it yeah, yeah. gives those memories to your muscles, and so now your muscles are as strong as that bull was. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's like the Warm Bodies movie. <laughs> um, so the... I don't know, let's... I guess we can just... Well, let's run over, like, electromagnetic induction. Yeah. Um, and we have to do this because I relearned it again um, so that I could talk about it. And if I don't talk about it, either this knowledge stays in my head or I explode. <laughs> so... Um, the electromagnetic induction is... Let's see. So we've spoken about it before, but whenever electricity is moving through a wire... Um, it creates a magnetic field around the wire. Yeah. And that is because you have negative charges moving along the wire. So all of the particles that are in the surrounding atmosphere are then pointed towards the... Well, it's not because of that, but they do form this... They follow the magnetic yeah, yeah. field. Yeah they all like start to point and kind of point and follow the electrical pulses. And that's why you can interact with the field. Um, whenever you have like DC um, direct current, it's just one direction. So there's like a magnetic field in the, the what was it? It's like a changing um Changing current creates a magnetic field. Right. And in so, DC, like DC, the easiest way to think about it is like a battery. So yeah. a, a battery has a, a positive pole and a negative pole. And if you have that battery connected to a fan, then the flow of electrons will go from the negative to the positive terminal and that positive terminal will go to the fan and the fan will rotate in that direction. If you turned the battery around, then the flow of electrons would go the opposite way and the fan would rotate in the opposite direction. That's direct yeah. current. There's no alternating of the, of the direction of the current. It's going only one way depending on which way you put the terminals. You know, mm -hmm. either positive side up or positive side down will determine which way the direct current flows. And because of the resistance in a wire there's going to be like a lag time by the time you click in a battery and the time that the fan gets to maximum. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can imagine it like there's just the resistance. There's like water that takes time to kind of get going. So because of this resistance, um, there's a changing current. It takes time for the current to go from zero to whatever the maximum current is going to be. And then the current will slowly dive off over time as the charge in the battery runs out. Yeah. Um, or if you pull it out, then there's going to be like a time where it kind of it drops at a rate mm -hmm. um, instead of being immediately off. Yeah. So, I, I mean, for all um, intent and purpose um, in this one instance... It is, you can just imagine instantaneous, but technically it's not. Mm -hmm. And, uh, or I guess theoretically. Uh, so the, I forgot where I was. Going. Oh, so the, as the current is changing with DC, that's when the magnetic field is created. The changing current is what causes a magnetic field. Mm -hmm. 
And this is the thing that Faraday discovered because they they learned that there was this magnetic field around like wires. Um, and then he was like, well, can we create from a magnetic field electricity? Yeah. Um, and so he his experiment where he set up one wire with a coil, um, the coil will become known as the inductor, um, and then another coil next to it, so another wire that is attached to a thing that would just measure the voltage. I think it's the voltage, maybe the current, I can't remember which. Um, but they operate essentially yeah, the same. Yeah, it doesn't, they, they, they can be interchangeable in this discussion. Yeah. And he would turn it on and try to, you know, see if like the the current going through causing a magnetic field would then cause a magnetic field to transfer to this other coil and then cause electricity to move. He noticed nothing was happening during his experiment, but he did notice whenever he would click in the battery or click on the switch, there would be a brief um, movement of voltage or current. So then uh, he deducted that it is the turning on and off that causes the magnetic uh, pulse to then cause electricity to move. Mm-hmm. And so that's huge when you start talking about induction um, because with DC, again, you would have to be clicking it on and off. Well, what if we invented something that was an alternating current, AC, that does have the current go back and forth in direction a certain number of times per second, a huge number of times Either per second. Either fifth... Uh- 50 or 60 times is yeah. the, is the frequency of the hertz that we deal with in America and most of the world. It's either 50 or 60, depending on what outlet you're plugging into. Yeah. Um, so the alternating current is like, obviously, it's a little confusing um, for me because I'm like, how in the world does this actually power anything? But just the movement of electrons back and you can imagine like a light bulb, the movement of electrons is what heats it up and causes that glowing because it's red hot and an incandescent bulb. Mm -hmm. It is not that the electrons have a power supply that is, it is then giving to the light bulb and then the electron is spent and like goes in the trash. Like that's kind of, I think how my brain typically sorts it. Um, but the electron always has this electrical power and it's always going to heat up that wire. It's just going to be moving right to left or left to right multiple times over it. So and all your light you have, bulbs are actually flashing. You yeah. just, your brain just can't see it. If they were, if we reduced the frequency down to like 24 per second or 20 per second, like uh, slower than the film of a, of a movie, you would see the lights flash like Christmas lights or whatever, which is how Christmas lights work. Like they, they dialed, they can regulate the amount of the frequency of the alternating current going to those bulbs. So when you see Christmas lights that are like flashy or change and stuff, that's what's happening. They're adjusting the frequency of the alternating current to those bulbs. But if you have the current, the frequency turned all the way up to where it usually is either 50 or 60, you don't notice the flashing it just looks like a constant always on light. Yeah, and like the thing with the the which one do we use in the US 60, right? Yeah. So a 60 hertz like bulb or whatever 
that means that the entire uh, one period, the one cycle of all the way peaking to the to maximum voltage and then all the way dropping and then peaking at the the opposite end, um, which is not negative voltage, but just, mm. you know, bear with me here. Um, that is one cycle. So that means that your light bulb is turning on and off 120 times per second. Yeah. Which, you know, I um, I can't count that fast, so I'm not going to be able to see that fast. <laughs> Maybe in the future when we get like better artificial eyes and stuff, we start yeah, our yeah. brain stops smoothing the world out for us, and we start seeing it for all the individual images that it actually is. <laughs> you know, side note: I was watching that uh, that theory show in Japan last night, mm-hmm. and there weren't a whole lot of um, good theories that like translate well. Uh, but one of them, they're like trying to get a certain type of reaction from people. Um, like there's different ways that people react to hearing stories, like with different phrases. And they were looking, they were saying it's hard to get somebody to say this specific phrase Mm -hmm. with actual trivia. (laughs) And this one guy decided to talk to a 70 year old that he knew. And he was like, yeah, you know, if you're under 60 years old, you can see (laughs) Wi-Fi." And he like just starts looking around the room. (laughs) It's just, it's, yeah. I mean, you could see it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, just like how your grandma said she could see your aura. <laughs> exactly. So the the AC um, obviously is is very beneficial for the induction, um, and that's that's like kind of the the cool. I don't know the induction technology is very interesting because then you can you can transfer properties. You know, like heat transfer. Um, thermodynamics um all my thermo heads out there there you go um you have convection which is heat change in a liquid or gas and you've probably heard of like a convection oven or an air fryer's air fryer's convection oven. okay yeah yeah blows hot air over your your whatever you're wanting to cook um conduction which 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 will make a gas stove a little bit more efficient like if you have a gas stove that Mm -hmm. Um, you can bake stuff in, but it has a convection setting on it. You can lower the temperature of the stove and the air moving around will actually reduce the pocket of cold air that like sits around the, the, the turkey that you put in the, put in the oven because it came out of the fridge and is in a cold pan. It has this sort of insulated cold, um, shell around it. That when you're just baking without convecting the air around it, um, it takes a lot longer for just the ambient heat to break down through that cold um, surrounding area. So convection blows that cold air around your turkey away so that the, the heat can be more evenly distributed around the surface of the turkey and it cooks faster at a lower temperature. Which is one of those things that whenever those started becoming popular like nobody adjusted their recipes to it <laughs> There's, like, everything's it, getting burned because you still are like are putting every all your oven at, at 350 or whatever yeah i think my dad told me his mom whenever they first got a microwave was going to heat him up some biscuits in the morning and put them in for 20 minutes <laughs> 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 nearly burned their house down um 
So then you have conduction, which is heating through a solid material. So that would be like, like the heat then touching the bottom of the pan, which is then transferring into the bottom side of the turkey mm-hmm. and everything, you know, when you've still got that heat shield around it. Um, then you have radiation, which is heat change using electromagnetic ra- waves. And I couldn't quite find if um, induction is technically radiation or not. It uses EM. It uses electromagnetic sort of. flux. But yeah, I don't think it's radiation. Well, I mean, no, because that doesn't have. There's. It's strictly using the um, magnetic function. So it's not. Right. You're not having. Like, you don't even have, like, a real heat radiated element um, yeah, from yeah, it yeah, at okay. all. You don't. Like, there's not even, like,. Um, you might have a little bit of like um, radiant heat, um, maybe from like on an induction stove. Oh, kids! Um, like um, from the pan, the magnet, the magnetic field heating up the actual um, pieces of iron in the pan. Um, then the pan can get hot and then the heat of the pan can then have some radiant heat off of the pan, but the actual induction mechanism is not giving you radiant heat. I think that's the way to describe it. Yeah. So like an EM wave would be like from the sun so that like a photon Mm -hmm. is, is an EM wave particle so that's what's heating you up is it's going in there and wiggling stuff around, bouncing off of things. Yeah, that's like getting a sunburn. Yes. Um, yeah, so you won't be getting a sunburn from from an induction stove. Um, so I think the what's really cool about it is like all of those aspects <laughs> is that it's just using magnetism to cause the wiggling of particles in the metallic surface of your pan Mm -hmm. that is then heating it up yeah and Um, using magnetism to wiggle stuff around creating that flux that fluctuation um you you don't just have to do it to heat up stuff you can use it to spin things you can use it to do lots of stuff the same way that you think of air moving a windmill is the way that you can think of an induction motor, but instead of thinking of air as this force um, pushing on a windmill blade, think of the magnetic field and the pull that a magnet would have on a a, a piece of metal that is uh, that is attracted to it. And if you were able to to constantly vary that where that pull was coming from then you could be pulling the leading edge of a thing in a circle at a very fast speed for a long duration so the way to think about it the the cool one is the is the three-phase induction motor which is basically you take all all our ac comes as like a three-phase system um and then when it gets to your house it's like dumbed down so that you don't you know, electrocute yourself when you try to plug in your toaster. <laughs> yeah, and this was invented by Tesla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and this is the way that the Tesla car motor works. Um, but 
when you have a three-phase system, just think of it as you have three different magnets and you uh, line up the the phases of those wires at in a cylinder at exactly 120 degrees apart from each other. So now you have these three phases that are intersecting at 120 degree angles. As you pass the current through those three phases of the wire at these 120 degree points, different ones at these third points are positive and then it shifts to being positive on the next one and then it switches to being positive on the next one and it switches to being positive on the next one. So they're always sort of chasing each other in the current. Now what you've done is you've created this spinning magnetic field inside of a cylinder. So if you put something in there that can react to that magnetic field, then it will spin. It will chase that magnetic field and it's never going to catch up. It's always going to be just a little bit behind because the current is going to be ahead of it. So it's always just going to be racing to try to keep up with that magnetic tug that's pulling it. And as, as long as you are pushing the current through those wires, you can decide based on how much current you give to it, how fast that thing is going to spin. And so now you just make that current a gas pedal on your car. And as you push it down then more current goes into that three-phase cylinder and causes the magnetic field to spin faster, which causes the thing inside the cylinder to spin faster, and then that makes your tires go faster. And when you take off your foot off the gas, then this, the cylinder slows down because the magnetic field slows down. It's very simple, and it's a, the, the cool thing about it is it's a self-starting um, motor. Like, all you have to do is pass a current through those three phase wires and the magnetic field will automatically start rotating on the inside. You don't have to have like a separate starting mechanism for your car, like a separate firing mechanism that explodes something to get the thing started. You just have to send the charge to the, to the three phase wires and it just starts spinning. It's, there's no friction. There's no oil needed to like, handle these pistons that are exploding over and over again. You don't have to worry. And because it's a three-phase wire and you've set it at 120 degrees, it's not going to get out of sync either. You're not going to like, oh man, I need to get my timing belt worked on because my 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 engine's clanging around. It can't get out of sync. It's 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 stuck in stability. It's That's the way that it works. <laughs> yeah, I really... The thing too about it is like you know it would the the magnet of the motor wants to stick to a point as it's at the maximum current mm-hmm. because then that is the maximum like point of electricity but because it's an alternating current and it's it's going up and down in a sinusoidal pattern um and knowing that once it is just a solid current, like if it became somehow DC at that point, the magnetism would go away. We know that it's constantly like chasing this up and down motion. So it's not jerky either. Mm. It is totally smooth. Um, Which I think like when, when Nikola Tesla was coming up with it, he originally had a, a two point. Yeah. His, his, uh, the original was a two phase but that did yeah. cause problems because you're like 180 degrees opposite each other. So you can get <laughs> yeah. like the uh, 
the uh, washing machine get, gets overloaded on one side and a kang, 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 kang. <laughs> yeah. um, so I don't know. I, I find all of this stuff very interesting because like every time I relearn it, I it makes more sense in a different way. And then I am like, well, why did I have so much trouble with it last time? And it's, I don't know. I always learn a new way to view it, um, which is useful, but also then I forget. <laughs> um, but it's like this very interesting process of equal and opposite force almost like the, that's the way that my brain currently understands this stuff and that's why like the motor doesn't automatically kick on at full speed yeah uh because it takes time for all of those molecules that are in the motor or whatever to like shift m- towards the magnetic field and then like realign with it and then shift back so like all of this stuff is you're dealing with like the actual resistance of molecules to move Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's what is like causing these things to like kind of get going and that's how you like conserve so much energy whenever you're using this induction stuff because you're not you're not losing it to heat uh in the same way because the movement of stuff is what is actually needed to cause the work to Mm -hmm. cause the action to go through Um, it's not that you're losing energy to heat because that, I don't know, the, the heat aspect of it lines up exactly with what work you want done. Right. Whereas with like a gas powered thing, you don't want heat. That's just a byproduct. And that's actually the loss of energy. Unless Um, you're, unless you're using it as a heater for your home and you're like, yeah, that's what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which is. Like why heaters are like the most energy efficient <laughs> things yeah. in the world because you can lose all of it to heat. That's what you want. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's it's very like impressive that they came up with this and they can understand like the the out of phase nature between the volts and the current and that's what causes like these different reactions. I don't, I still don't, like electrical stuff was difficult for me, so... Yeah. Well, once this, you start adding in all the yeah, others. that's the thing is imagining things in magnetism is much harder than imagining like wind power or even like like the the way that we understand energy is very um, interdependent upon our experience with the world. So the things that are intuitive to us are the things that make sense. Like, oh, I get it. When I burn wood, it makes heat. And so it's very basic to understand, okay, um, wood is captured carbon. And then when I smash enough oxygen up against it, like at a fast enough rate, it will combust. And that oxygen will reform with the carbon that was captured in the wood and turn into CO2. And that's what's released in the air from this heat explosion transfer. And that's what fire is. So then I can do that to coal and I can do that to oil and I can do that to natural gas. And so it's like all of those things are just the same intuitive understanding that we had, you know, 200,000 years ago when we started burning stuff. Like that's not much (laughs) of an improvement on anything. We've just like, 
found other things to burn that maybe burned better than the wood that we were burning originally. But it's not like we came up with a new idea. We just are stuck with our sort of intuitive life experience through our evolutionary history. And unfortunately, um, never in our time of being humans on this planet and burning stuff until like 70 years ago did we actually think that this was a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because we couldn't, like, how could you possibly have known? Like, that, that's, that's the other thing I always try to think when it comes to, like, climate stuff. Like, I, you don't want to just vilify the, the people of the past who were, like, part of the Industrial Revolution and, like, were like, holy crap, did you realize that we could dig and there's coal underground and we could burn that stuff? And then we started digging for it and they're like, holy crap, there's mountains of this stuff. Like, yeah. my God, free energy forever? What are you, this, we just, this is a utopia. So, like, without having the, the climate knowledge or even the technology to measure that and be given, like, this, what, what was seemingly an, uh, un, a forever resource that could potentially be super cheap and like solve tons of the world's problems. I, it's hard to be like, oh man, with hindsight, those guys really fucked that shit up. Because I think any any human and any version of evolution that you go through, when we come on to this these discoveries, and um, we're trying to just figure out how to extract stored energy from the planet. That's going to be like a huge game changer and you're going to totally exploit it. Like everyone's going to exploit it. There's not, there's not going to be a second thought about it because you had no other reference to think that exploiting it would be a bad thing. Yeah. It's like the, um, like the extinction of animals, Mm -hmm. like humans did not have a concept of extinct animals until they caused the extinction of, of like I don't even think they probably had the concept whenever like the megafauna were being killed, driven to oh, extinction. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it probably like around the time that buffaloes were nearly extinct or bison, I suppose. Why why are why can't I call them buffaloes? I understand there's water buffalo in like Asia, but I grew up calling them buffalo. <laughs> this is just cancel culture coming for my understanding of animals. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. Is um, is buffalo like a a colonizer term that was brought over, and uh, then when people, so when the white man saw them, they were like, "Oh yeah, that's a buffalo. I've seen that before." <laughs> but it looks nothing like yeah. a water buffalo. <laughs> they came over with their like colonizer hats, like those those British ones that they wear in Africa. Exactly, um, safari safari in America, right. Um, okay, that makes sense. Sorry for my rant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've lived, I've learned. I'll put out a Twitter notes message later. But yeah, the I think the idea, though, of energy generation and, you know, when you're thinking about it now, like, why isn't more stuff utilized? We're utilizing these induction motors all over the place. Like, every energy generation plant, all of the transformers... Um, the distribution centers that push energy down the power lines to everybody's house. Um, like I said, the hard drive in your computer, the electric motor in cars, 
these are all induction motors. The induction stove, all of these things are, are using induction. But I will say that I just think it's not as an intuitive thing. And when you already had sort of an industry built up on combustion, then whenever like you had powerful engines, it's going to go to cars. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird that the things were developed at similar timelines. Um, but like, uh, the combustion engine was just a better thing to be mass produced in cars for some reason at the time, instead of looking at more, uh, electrical options. It seems like those types of things could have been developed in concert together, but they just weren't. Yeah. It, maybe just a distribution. Cause like by the time cars were becoming popular, I guess it would have to happen before they were popular. So even farther back, fewer distribution centers. I mean, there were places like, I think my grandparents like lived in Oklahoma without electricity for some time mm-hmm. when they were younger. So it's it's probably something like that. Like they were just like, it, there's no way to get electricity to people so that they can charge their cars or whatever. Um, but I mean, you you know, like the amount of, money that the oil (laughs) industry like you they've made money enough to where they can uh keep it going and i find this stuff with gas stoves like unbelievable yeah like that that is that is hugely a the just a huge policy decision (laughs) for like the last uh 70 years or so they've just been pumping money through their lobby groups into congress um to make sure that it stays where it is but their advertising has been non-stop like any tv show that had a scene where they were using a gas stove that was paid for by the gas lobby mm-hmm. they are currently paying um like influencer type people on instagram and tiktok to specifically show themselves cooking with gas stoves And they decided instead of going for like the Kardashian level, they're instead going for people with just like a few thousand followers because they want to impact younger people um, with realistic messaging that, you know, nobody's going to be like, look at the Kardashians and think, oh, that's something I can own. (laughs) But if they see somebody who's got like 3000 followers, then they're like, okay, yeah, that's that's doable. Yeah. And it, it, the thing is, though, that it's not even just about getting capturing the hearts and minds of the young people. Like it's the propaganda has worked for so long with natural gas that now it's just all these people that grew up on it that are my age and they're like in their 40s. And now they work on, you know, the city council and work in code enforcement and stuff like that. They all like still believe that natural gas is just the way to go and so like i live in a uh, <clears throat> a townhome community here close to downtown dallas it's only five years old every single unit is set up completely for natural gas we have natural gas um a tankless hot water heater that's natural gas <laughs> like i had so one like- before that was electric and now we have one that's like mounted it has to be mounted on the outside because it's natural gas so I have to like protect the 
the pipes on the outside of the house for my hot water heater to prevent them from getting frozen if it freezes outside because my hot water heater is mounted on the outside of my house because it's a natural gas tankless hot water heater. It's just, uh, and then of course the stove and the oven is, and like you turn the, you, you turn the oven on to start something to bake and the whole house smells like gas. And so like, I thought, Oh crap. Like, the pilot's not lighting or something. No, it's just like the natural, that's just the way that the thing works. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when I started doing the research, like, man, well, if you can smell it, then it's bad. Um, uh, as far as the amount of particulate matter inside of your house in this closed environment. And that's the other thing is most places don't have adequate ventilation to handle, um, having natural gas appliances in your house. Like, a lot of pla- a lot of places have like good vents above your kitchen counter and good vents in the bathroom and stuff like that but you would need four or five times the amount of the, that ventilation in modern homes in order to properly vent a kitchen with gas appliances in it the other crazy thing that i came across was um this big study out of canada um that was published uh last year and it was measuring um, carbon emissions for the different cities and sort of trying to see if there was any kind of noticeable dip or notice, noticeable change because of COVID, like no one was driving hardly nearly as much. So the idea was if we're having most of this cause, most of our emissions is being caused by cars and traffic and stuff like that, maybe we should see a p- pretty big dip here in in our missions and there wasn't that much of a dip and the reason is is because they had not been factoring in all of the emissions of all of the buildings and homes in Canada that are set up for natural gas they used to like before it switched to natural gas like Canada used to have like stuff heated by oil and stuff like old school oil heated heaters and oil lamps and that type of thing um they switched everything to natural gas and in the cities in Canada where they measured it, the natural gas appliances inside of buildings and homes account for almost half of the emissions of those cities. So, but it's just not, it hadn't been previously a thing that people had measured because everyone had been focused so much on transportation and, um, just straight like petroleum burn and uh, burn at energy facilities and coal-fired power plants and stuff like that. No one was, since they were contained inside of people's homes, there was no measurement for the (laughs) carbon and methane release that was coming from inside of people's homes because they thought, oh yeah, these things are contained inside of people's homes. And natural gas is clean, so why would we even want to measure that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's just unbelievable, like how um how it's just ubiquitous almost at this point and so yeah it is it's insane but the i i can't remember i think like in college somebody was telling me that natural gas is just like so much better to cook on and honestly there's no when it comes to like the aesthetic appeal of it there is other than seeing a flame and cooking on it which is like i was talking about at the at the top <laughs> There's nothing that is better about it. It is like only 15% efficient 
So you're losing 85% of it to heat. Yeah, like just, just radiant heat, heat all going off on the sides of your pan and everything, melting the pan handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 it heats up your house yeah. an insane amount, which is um, cool in the winter time, but in the Texas summer having to like deal with the fact that your oven is at 400 degrees and a lot of that is escaping. It's not not fun to then have to cool that down. No. Certainly not. And the like the thing with it you're losing so much to heat that is like that means the the amount of flame and heat that is coming out like obviously you want heat to heat up your pan right it's heat that is just there's too much heat going on to your pan yeah 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 so it's bouncing off to the sides um there was like a video i was watching that was measuring like the different times it took to boil water mm mm-hmm. mhm and he did it on an electric stove, a gas stove, and then an induction stove. And the electric one he started with, um, and it was the thermometer was totally fine. Induction stove, it was even faster. Um, and obviously it was fine because there's no ambient heat. And then the gas stove, it melted the thermometer. <laughs> like, Yeah. D- dude, I, I haven't cooked on gas in so long because we had electric at our house. And when we moved over here, it's gas. And I want to switch it out for induction, but I don't have like the $3,000 to switch it out for the induction model of the version that I have yet. You know, mm-hmm. that's the, we're saving for it. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I melted an entire handle of a of a sauce spoon as I was just trying to cook cook some sauce like one of the first meals that we cooked because I just had it like sitting in the in the pan and like yeah. it just melted the whole backside of it just melted because all the heat is just escaping around the sides of it there's no like very little of the heat is actually doing the cooking part yeah but the the induction stove is like 60% or more efficient um in the same way the not only is it more efficient, higher efficiency means it's quicker, like at yeah. heating things up. Like that's the thing also that people were talking about. Well, if you've got an electric stove, um, it's going to take time because that's got to warm up. Whereas a gas stove, you're immediately applying the heat to the pan. But the because it is so inefficient, it takes to boil six cups of water. Um what it okay? I copied this from an article, and they said six cups ounces of water. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. So yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's definitely six cups. Um, six they, six ounce cups. <laughs> six six yes exactly. Uh, to boil water on a gas stove took eight and a half minutes. On an electric stove, five minutes and forty seven seconds, and then induction it was three minutes and seven seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's. That's heating up the pan. That's that doesn't mean that like your food is going to cook faster because like when you're cooking on a stove, you're not just putting it in there and then leaving it. It's not like an oven. Yeah. But yeah, so it's I mean it's one of those things where it's just it's insane that this technology has been around for ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, and instead of like adopting it, there are people making sure that children are being born at higher rates of as with asthma. <laughs> And we're, you know, putting carbon monoxide into our own houses just so they can make some money. And that's the thing that that's crazy, too, is so the uh, the Frigidaire model of the gas 
stovetop and oven combo that I have upstairs, brand new, is twenty eight hundred dollars. Out out the door at the at Best Buy or whatever. Mm-hmm. The the exact same size Frigidaire model, but it's just it's all induction instead of gas is three thousand. So it's two hundred dollars more for the unit, <laughs> which is not like. And I've I started pricing other ones too. The price is not crazy. In some cases, even yeah. like the induction models are cheaper than the gas models nowadays too. So it's not like, uh, oh wow, well it's just like induction is just so expensive. It's like a two to one type of thing where you can be like, oh man, well, if I'm doing a cost benefit analysis here, I'll have this gas one for 10 years and I'll save enough money and it might be less efficient, but yeah, you know, I'm weighing the pros and cons. No, there's no pros and cons to weigh anymore. They're like the same price for the same, for the technology and one is vastly superior to the other. Yeah. Are you able to sell the gas stove? Like, what is the resale market? Yeah, that, that was the other thing um, I started looking at because, uh, you know, because of everything's got semiconductors and shit in it now. And so, like, used stoves are kind of like used cars. Mm-hmm. Um, if you wanted to buy a brand new one, you probably are going to be on a wait list for a few months to get one right now. Um, so, I think selling them even just for like parting out you can get a really good return on your investment if you wanted to get rid of it right now um and and change to convection or change to induction because uh some of the reason why all the used cars are so valuable right now um so i I don't know of course i don't know if i really if is it really great to upgrade my system to can to induction and then just pawn off my gas stove on someone else to use for another 15 years in their house? Is that really solving the problem? Or I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to handle it. Might be the best financial way for me to handle it in order to replace <laughs> it, but I don't know if that's necessarily uh, really doing much um, as far as like for the environment. But of course, like we've always talked about, none the. Uh, changing the things for the environment are not going to be these like uh, personal responsibility type of decisions. Um, the reason why this is such a big deal is because we aren't making the personal responsibility decision to just go buy whatever stove and oven and hot water heater and furnace and whatever we want. It's not like when anytime you move in to a new place, you get to look at the whole series of um, appliance package options and you get to check off the ones you want you just get whatever's there. And if cities and municipalities have put it inside of their code to run natural gas lines to all new structures, like as part of the rule to get to like have a place be built, just like you have to run electricity and sewer and water to it, you got to run natural gas. They're going to keep putting natural gas appliances in all these things. And the natural gas appliances are going to keep lasting 10 to 20 years. And every time you put a new one in, it just kicks the can that much further down the road. Um, so this, is this again, is a large-scale um, policy and infrastructure decision, not a personal responsibility issue. Well, at least, at least you can cook stuff, you know? Because there's people in Ukraine that can't. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Although uh, they can at least uh, watch uh, RT News through their Starlink. Uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, as, as we, as we uh, gave some positive uh, 
Tesla pub. I just wanted to give a little negative Elon Musk jab there at the end to make sure people didn't think we were all a bunch of Elon Musk bros. You know, when I said Tesla, I, I just meant the original Tesla. I don't. <laughs> well, the Tesla car does use <laughs> just use an induction motor. Every electric car uses yeah, it. Yeah. My Prius uses an yeah, induction yeah, motor. Yeah. The, well, and the cool um, thing about those, though, too, is that you can tune it to such a way that it also um, generates back on itself a little bit. So you get um, you get a little bit of energy generation back from the natural movement of the motor, which makes which helps the efficiency of it. Um, so you actually kind of get a uh, a little bit of a boost just by using it. It's it's not like you get energy for free, you know, thermodynamics and everything else. But um, it's it's one of the ways that makes them so incredibly efficient is that you can actually make them a generator as well. Yeah, the the like recharging kind of aspect of it is is cool because it's like I, I saw it described that if you had like a pipe, if you're looking at a current, but it just imagine it's water pipes. And you have a pump that is pushing out the stuff, so that'd be like the battery. You have a split in the pipe. One side has a resistor on it. The other side has a water wheel. Um, the resistor is going to be like a resistor in any electrical system. The water wheel is what uh, an inductor is like. And so it takes some time for the inductor to get going. So that's why it takes a little bit of time for... And by a little bit of time, it's, you know... Anybody has probably at this point ridden in at least a Prius taking an Uber yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's pretty um, instantaneous for, for your yeah, experience so of when you put, you you can accidentally take off super fast like a rocket ship if you are a little heavy on your foot, especially those Teslas, man. I don't know if you've ridden in a Tesla. Fuck. It's like, uh, it's, it's like in a, it's like being in a race car. And especially if like I was riding with my friend and she had just gotten it, she'd never driven an electric car before. Man, it's like, ugh, just like she just takes off and you, you're not ready for it. <laughs> How fast it happens. I've only, I ridden, I rode in one in Houston in 2014. So they were like just starting to come out and we went to dinner with some people and they drove us home and, um, it was probably very cool then. And then recently we, all of us went out to dinner. And so we needed to get like an extra large car and we got like the larger Tesla mm -hmm. and whoa, it was so cheap <laughs> like on the inside. <laughs> like the, the guy had to fold the back seat up so that like my sister could fit. And her, she had to lean over, like hunch down the entire time, and her head was still hitting the back windshield. <laughs> um, and there's like no crunch space behind that, so she would have definitely died if we just, like, if he decided to stop at a light instead of yeah, running. She's the probably red. just sitting on the battery. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> and so, um, but but the 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 part of it that like. You know, so you get the water wheel going and whenever the pump would stop, so if the battery stops, so if you're no longer giving it the gas on an electric motor, mm -hmm. the water wheel is going to continue to move and that will, that will move the water through, not back to the battery because the battery is not moving charge out. 
it'll move it in that circle of circuitry that is going back to the resistor and just running it until the the inductor or the wheel or whatever kind of slows down mm-hmm. um so that's how you get like that recapture stuff and so it's just it is like that's kind of self-propelling like thing to an extent that you can recapture some energy um so yeah it's kind of interesting obviously you can't do that with a stove because then you're going to have the you're cooking the food you're not suddenly putting <laughs> right 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 heat, heat does not cause the electricity to then flow causing a magnetic field flux that then causes electricity to move back through the other thing it's not how it works <laughs> justin <clears throat> So yeah, that's that's what I got on induction. Uh, I just had one more thing. Go for it. I wanted to say happy two years. Oh yeah, on the podcast we did it. We did do it. Full, we did not hit a hundred. Full two times around the sun. Yeah, I um I was looking at our episode numbers and I was like, man, we what are we Europeans taking time off? <laughs> look, look at all this leisure time. <laughs> What, yeah. what number will this one be? 95? 90, either 95 or 96. I think it's 95. So that means we, what, took seven weeks off over two years? Yep. Why don't you people give us a break? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess we did time up our, our stuff to have our yearly anniversary every spring equinox. So when the earth is tilted just right at that one part against the sun, spring equinox, that's when our yearly anniversary is. Yeah, keep that in mind. Um, And I guess keep in mind that uh, all of this energy stuff we're talking about did originate at the sun. So so there you go. Yeah, it all started there. Whether it turned into plants that then turned into cows that then you're cooking on your induction stove— um, or it is the uh, natural gas that is powering the energy plant that is uh, powering your natural gas stove. Uh, it, it all it all came from the sun originally. So this has all just been about how do we get the sun to uh, to power us to work for us for a change. Yeah. So, Don't ask your son what you can do for it. Ask your son what it can do for you. And my my rebuttal is always just someone. Whoever can figure out how to have humans photosynthesize would solve all this. If we could just stick our arms out and photosynthesize like plants, I think it all would be solved. Global warming, everything. Energy crisis, all of it. Just someone invent photosynthesizing human beings, and I think it'll work. That'll be the next advancement. I'll get right on that. All right, work on it, work on it. (laughs) Get in the gene lab figure out what it takes all right till next week